It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell, and your golden years. Good evening, and welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And today is Sunday, August the 20th, 2023, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and we are back live from still extremely hot Austin, Texas, uh, where we keep breaking all the records. We hope that you're staying cool wherever you are, and we have another great program in store for you today. Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us today, as usual, to make the show run smoothly. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined by Scott Kokenauer, personal and professional coach of fourth quarter coaching. Scott will discuss finding meaning and purpose in the fourth quarter of our lives. And I recently returned from a trip up north to see my mom, and I have some more tips from out in the field for caregiving and advocating for better quality of life and long-term care while continuing to live a passion life, passionate life. Um, after the show, you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website, and the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight or early tomorrow morning, along with any website links that we discuss on the program this evening. And you can hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blogtalkradio.com, that's B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash your golden years or you can listen on Apple Podcasts. And for information from prior programs and to listen to previous shows, go to my website, drmaricarpell.com. You can also hear all of the shows that we've done here on Blog Talk Radio for the last nine and a half years at blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years, and they are all on Apple Podcasts as well. And for upcoming programs, and events, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. Wondering what to do after you're 50? How about having a mighty good time? It's free to search, free to post, and much more, whether it's in person or virtual. Anything can be found. To connect, your, to connect with others and fill your days connecting with others. So be more active and start connecting again. Go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. All right, we're going to take a brief break, um, but it's going to be very brief so we can play some of other other sponsors' commercials. Um, but don't go anywhere because when we come back, we'll be joined by Scott Kokenauer, personal and professional coach of fourth quarter coaching. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed services or supplies you never received. There are three easy things you can do to prevent fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and look for any suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or call your local Medicare SHIP program at 1-800-252. 9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpell.com. 
And now joining us on the phone is Scott Kokenauer, personal and professional coach of Fourth Quarter Coaching, and he's going to discuss a topic that's right up our alley, finding meaning and purpose in the fourth quarter of our lives. Welcome, Scott. Meryl, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on your show today. Well, thank you so much for for joining us. I'm really excited to talk about what you're doing because it fits in so perfectly with with what this show is about, finding meaning and purpose in later life. Um, that's that's right. So, why don't we start off with a little bit about um, your background? What is your background, and and what led you to this to to focusing on this topic? Well, I joined my family business when I was 24, um, back in 1989, which dates me. I'm 58 today. Um, Spent the next 24 years as the chief operating officer for a multi-million dollar design-build church construction family business. Um, We we worked all over the the country. We're a church builder and um, spent... You know, I got my my hands in a lot of different things like legal and license, insurance, safety, bonding, and all that sort of thing. Along those those years, I was asked because I was one of the younger brothers, I suppose, to look into coaching for our employees as a benefit, which I did, and I fell in love with the dynamic of coaching. Uh, so I hired my own coach, and then I became certified as a coach, and all was going well. I was coaching on the side while I was doing my full time job. And then 2008 happened, and I'm sure your listeners will remember mm-hmm. that um, major financial challenge. It really changed the way people decided who was going to build their church. And uh, we we spent the next five years in a sort of slide economically as a business. We were we were losing contra- uh, contracts. We were having trouble um, maintaining our volume. And in 2013, I was asked to become the CEO to reinvent our company because something had to be done. We, we weren't figuring things out. And, and so, you know, through a lot of, of stumbling, a lot of, a lot of whiteboarding and thinking through, finally came up with a business model that we began to implement, which seemed to be promising. However, that five-year slide, um, made us vulnerable to a project from a cash flow standpoint as a business made us vulnerable to one project that had to start in June of 2015. And rather than the church getting started in construction, um, the pastor had been having an affair with his secretary and that became public, Mm. which doesn't always kill a construction (laughs) project, but it sure delays it. And we couldn't afford it. So um, in June of 2015, I was right in the middle of my 50th year of life, and I was suddenly without a career after almost 30 years. And so the next two years, I wrestled with quite a bit of identity crisis and who am I, who's going to hire a 50-year-old man with no hair and and all that sort of thing, and do I want to work for anybody? And so... um, uh, long story short, and I, I, that's a whole different story, uh, my cave experience, so to speak. But uh, long story short, uh, began to put some ingredients together, um, all the business experience, all the coaching experience. And I had determined to become the partner I wish I had had when, in July of 2015. Because I, what I needed was some sort of second set of eyes that could see a, from a higher perspective what I was going through. What I was going through, I thought, was the end of the world as, as I mm. knew it. And I really struggled with that. And through that, I discovered that there really is a way to live with meaning and purpose. Hmm. Okay. And so it, it brought you to, to this career coaching in this part of life? That's what I did. I ended up um, incorporating this side business I had and got really serious about it and started developing a a message that, and it was drawn from a lot of stuff that I had gone through in the process of reinventing our business. It was kind of like, didn't know it, but I was reinventing myself at the time because looking back, I started to piece things together and realized I have some things that 
that could be put together to help others when they're facing a sort of disruption of life, whether that's externally imposed like it was for me, or whether it's just a feeling, you know, in your 50s and your 60s, we start to get these the sense that there's got to be something more. There's got to be mm-hmm. uh, more purpose, more meaning. And, and what we drove, what drove us in our 20s and 30s doesn't interest us near as much. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we talk about finding purpose and meaning in life. Um, I kind of challenge that a little bit. I don't know that it's a, about finding it as though it was hidden. I think it's there. I think we intuitively know what our purpose is and what our meaning is. We just need a mechanism to open our eyes to see what's already there within us. And um, I, I read quite a bit. And there, there's a book that has become very seminal in what I do with my clients. And it's by James Clear. And the title of it is Atomic Habits. There's a concept in that book that he refers to um, where you don't try to become someone. You don't try to reach a certain point somewhere out in the future. Rather, you decide the person that you want to be right now. Mm-hmm. And then you prove it to your sm- yourself with small wins. Every, every decision you make is either a vote in favor of that person or a vote against person. So what mm-hmm. you have is you, you basically, it's a matter of adoption before eventually that person becomes a part of who you are. And, and so I, I would ask your listeners today, what kind of person have you always wanted to be? Maybe it's a, a peaceful person, maybe a confident person, mm. maybe a joyful person. You know, I, I Sometimes we see that in others and we say, oh, I wish I could be like that person. Well, take the, the essence of that and rather than trying to be like someone else, begin to identify what that means for you. Let's just say you have always wanted to be joyful. I mean, that's, that's the essence of your book, by the mm-hmm. way. It's, it's how to live a life of joy. I would say yep. this, decide to adopt a joy, become a joyful person right now. Now, are you joyful? Maybe, maybe not. But the point is, you start to ask yourself, what would a joyful person do? And you begin hmm. to continue to ask that question over and over. And here's what happens. Every day that we live, when we wake up from, um, in our head, lifts from the pillow, we are given, and I think these are gifts, we are given the gift of decisions. We make multiple decisions all day long. So it's not a matter of will I have the opportunity to live out this joyful person I have chosen to be. The question is, when I'm faced with decisions, how am I going to act as a vote in favor of that person? So I wake up in the morning, I am a joyful person. Today, I'm going to be confronted with a number of opportunities to cast my vote. And I'm going to cast my vote in favor of being a joyful person. It's simple, but it is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very simple concept. You decide the type of person you're going to be, and then you prove it to yourself with small wins. I take that a step further, and I think of it in terms of three words, aspiration, goal, and actions. So if you aspire to be someone and you've adopted that person, there's going to be work. Anything worthwhile takes work, and it always comes down to the walk. So you start with an aspiration. And what I would do is let's just continue with this idea that I want, that I have chosen to be a joyful person. And I'm asking myself, what would a joyful person do? Well, I, I speak um, to my clients in terms of six hallmarks of what I call six hallmarks of a fantastic 
fourth quarter. Okay. Now, fourth quarter. Let's pause here. What is a fourth quarter? Yeah, what is the well, fourth quarter? <laughs> yeah, the, in the context of what of my coaching, I look at life. I, I took the average lifespan of of a human being, especially in America. It's about eighty. It, it ranges. It goes from seventy to eighty something. But I took eighty and I broke it into four twenty-year segments. The first twenty-year segment is what I call our learning quarter. This is where we're being nurtured, we're going to school, we're going to high school, and, um, and then we go into the second quarter, our 20s and 30s. Now, I call that our building quarter. This is the quarter where we are building a name for ourselves, we're building a family, a career, maybe even a business or two, and, and so that's our building. And if you can imagine, a, a, you're climbing a hill. So the learning quarter was relatively flat. Now in the second quarter, you're building, you're moving up. And when you hit your 30s and 40s, that's the third quarter. And I call the third quarter our reaping quarter. This is the, Now we're starting to reap what we sowed in our second quarter. Now we've got a family. Now we've got a career. Now we've got a, a, a financial picture, if you will. We have a lot of stuff that we have started is now in motion and it's usually toward the end of this third quarter, say anytime after age 45, we begin to think of things in terms of significance. Um, Bob Buford wrote a book years ago called halftime, the search going from the search for success to the search for significance. And I think of course, mileage varies person to person, but I think around the mid to late third quarter, say 45, 50, 55, 58, somewhere around there, we begin to ask ourselves, what is this really all about? And then we go into the fourth quarter, which is our 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s even, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if we're fortunate enough to be lucid that long. Mm-hmm. And that fourth quarter, here's my philosophy on the fourth quarter. I think, although I'm two years out, technically, I think it's our our best quarter ever. And here's why I say that. I hope so. The, <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. Because uh, for many of us, that's all we have left, right? That's right. <laughs> so if you think about the first quarter, you know, we're just, we're a sponge. We're taking in all kinds of learning and, and development. The second quarter, we're busy building stuff. We don't have a whole lot of wisdom. We don't have a whole lot of uh, experience, but what we do have is a lot of drive and energy. When we hit our third quarter, it's a mix of energy and still trying to keep up. You know, we're starting to feel like we're running faster on the proverbial treadmill, but we're still moving toward the back of that treadmill. We're moving fast. We're running faster, but we're not keeping up near as much. Um, however, in the fourth quarter, we have a unique opportunity to start something new. And instead of in our second quarter, when we're starting something and building something from scratch, basically, we are now at a place where we can start something from experience. Mm-hmm. It's not our first rodeo. We've been around the block multiple times and we have learned a few things. And so the world is, is still wide open for us. We can do all sorts of stuff. We can start a philanthropic activity. We can start another business. There's no reason. I, mean, I know a 71-year-old who's going to open a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And I know a 75-year-old who, has, who is the CEO of her own company built around a children's book. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just two of hundreds of, exper- of examples of people who are doing something in their fourth quarter. A lot of it's mindset. We tend to All think right. that we've done our time. Now it's time to go to the sidelines. And then we don't really think about it until we're on the sidelines saying, is this all there is? Mm-hmm. I advocate people in their fourth quarter, get back out in the game. You've got enough experience and proficiencies, not only to, to live a fulfilled life, but there is a world of people who could benefit from what you have developed in your life. You have Absolutely. a story. 
and you can you can explain that story. I mean, my story, you know, it's unique to me, and I share that story with people. And those who have been through a disruption, they sense that, man, I'm not the only one who's been through this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by the fourth quarter. I love working with people in their third quarter, primarily, to get prepared for a fantastic fourth quarter. Now, do I work with people already in their fourth quarter? Of course I do. But um, th- I, I just I believe in this so wholeheartedly that I try to help my clients and anyone that I speak to, basically. There is a method to living with meaning and purpose in your fourth quarter. So I, I have a question about the, you know, the that feeling of, okay, I've done my time and now it's just a move to the sidelines. And some of that comes from within us that we've learned this and so we think that that's what we're supposed to do. But some of that is from um, social pressure and um, that, you know, we live in a very youth-oriented culture, uh, very youth-oriented society where people, younger people are less likely to to listen to older people or it's, it's seen that that we have done our time now, move aside and let the young people do their thing. How do, I don't believe that. I agree with you <laughs> that we have a lot to offer um, through experience. We, you know, we tend to be, we may not be, uh, we may not have the energy to run on that treadmill like you've described, but we actually have the uh, wisdom to not have to run on a treadmill. Um, so what what would you recommend to kind of get over the the pressure from the outside to to just stop and move aside? Well, first of all, I would applaud what you're doing. Your Golden Years program, the stuff that you're doing is fantastic. Awareness is a huge key to this. We need to, to place front and center examples of people who are already doing what we're advocating that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think step one is, you know, what we were saying earlier, decide the type of person you want to be and then prove it to yourself with small wins. Decide the type of person that's going to get out there and utilize your experience. Where do you start? I, you, I mean, I can't, I, I think every church is looking and, and hungry for mentors for their youth. That's one small example among, among many opportunities. There are all sorts of mentoring opportunities where, and I bet schools, the post-COVID situation, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of schools are looking for, for people with wisdom to speak to their, their students. Um, but I think it really, when, you, when it all comes down to it, it's in the quietness of your mind when you get still and you really wrestle with yourself. What is it that I'm going to do with the rest of my life? Who am I going to be? And then decide that person and then ask yourself, what would that type of person do? Then when you wake mm-hmm. up, every decision that you make, when you're, when you're, this, uh, tempted to just mentally check out. Well, if you're going to say, what, what would a, an active person do, if that's your question, and you are tempted to sit back and just not do anything, well, ask yourself, what would an active person do? Would an active person just do sit there and do nothing? No, they would get they would get out and find a need and begin to fill it. Start small. Mm-hmm. You don't have to turn the world upside down overnight, but just get immersed in other people's lives and seek to solve a need. Yeah, that, that brings me to a question that I am asked a lot, and it sounds like you're heading in that direction. Um, <laughs> People often ask me, like, how do I even know what I want to do? How do I find 
that thing that I really that I really would love to do um, at any age, really. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions for for kind of finding that other than the you know knowing how you want to feel, but how do you find the actual action to take? Well, it goes back to finding purpose and meaning. It's not really about finding it. It's already there. And where is it found? Mm-hmm. It's found in your story. So one of the first things I do with clients is, uh, many of them, I will have, ask them to take a standard sheet of paper and turn it sideways. Draw a line across horizontally across the middle of that piece of paper. And then break it into 10-year segments with hash marks. So you've got you've got this line with, five or six, maybe seven sections, 10-year sections. Now go back to your section that is zero to 10. This is when you're, you were born until you were 10 years old. Ask yourself, think back to anything you can remember that is, was a significant situation that you faced. Put a dot in that one zero to 10 segment. If it's positive, draw a line upward vertically and then give it a title. If it was a negative experience, draw a dot, put a dot in that line and draw a line downward and give it a title. Do that for your second section, your 10 to 20 years, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, and so on. Then begin to just digest that. Spend a few days just reflecting on your story because embedded in our stories are gems because you know we talk about wisdom, experience, successes, failures, that's all there. You have lived a life that is rich with experiences. Not Not all positive. Some of them are negative. But what did you learn from each of those experiences? That begins to build a a library of story, a library of experience and and principles, life principles. What has that caused you to do today that it is uh, significant? Now, armed with that story and dissecting it in that way, then you start to look outward and you don't have to look very far for needs that need to be filled. And you, so you take a look at your story and then you take a look at the needs around you in the community, uh, in nonprofit centers. They're everywhere. There, there's, you won't have problem finding need. And, mm-hmm. and needs in this world are opportunities. Those, those are opportunities for us to get involved. So you begin to marry the elements of your story with the needs of today and you start just start trying it out Um, this is an iterative process this is something where it's a whole lot better to get the car rolling because you can steer a car that's moving right trying to get it right the first time right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. so try it out you may you may volunteer for example you may volunteer somewhere to do something and in the midst of doing that, you realize this isn't for me. Well, you haven't failed. What you did was you orchestrated a learning opportunity that will allow you to take the next step. What you know now, you didn't know before you started. Now you know it. It's another piece of your story. Right. That will lead right. you to a better opportunity in the future. Yeah, I agree with that. You have to try things in, in order to find out if it's really for you. Um, and if it's not for you, you still might be connected in that situation to something that is, right? You might meet somebody who tells you uh, their story and it's interesting to you and you find that, hey, maybe I need to try that. You know, the principle that's a, that is uh... – present in our conversation right now is that persistence makes you luckier. When you get out there and you do things over and over again and you try things and, and you continue to uh, 
bring together your experience with a need that is out there. You make yourself luckier. And what I mean by that is you open up opportunities that otherwise would just sit there dormant. And listen, mm-hmm. every, every single listener that's listening today, their story is like none other in this world. Right now, I believe there's eight and a half billion people, and there have been billions come and go. But there is no one who has your story. There's no one that has my story. Mm-hmm. There are so many variables at play that the uniqueness of our story, unfortunately, I think a lot of people die long before they're buried and they live mm-hmm. dormant lives and, and they've given in to this lie that, look, you've, you've done your time, step aside, let those who are younger do their thing. Well, that, mm-hmm. that's such a narrow perspective. There are so many opportunities for so many people in this world, and there's no reason why you can't take your story and flip it into some kind of fulfillment of a need. And in the process is your purpose and meaning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, the types of things that somebody in their third or fourth quarter can do are not things that a younger person can do. So um, right. we still have we still have so much to give. We have so much to give until we possibly cannot be lucid enough to give mm-hmm. it. That's right. And for many of us, many of us, we've got another good twenty, thirty years ahead mm-hmm. of us that mm-hmm. we can we can live just as full and as free and as fulfilling as we did in our 20s see that's the other thing about the fourth quarter being so wonderful is that we can live this full and fulfilling and free life being aware you know knowing the things we know now it's one thing to live a vibrant life in your 20s and and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's so much you don't know in your 20s. Right. <laughs> what if you were to just <laughs> consider another hill to climb, and this time you're climbing it with all of your experience and all your wisdom. You'll climb it smarter. You know, you won't make near as many mistakes because, well, for one thing, you're going to need to be a little bit more efficient in how you use your range of motion, Right. I mean, mm-hmm. when you're in your 20s, when I, when I was in my mid-30s, I ran a, the Pittsburgh Marathon, and it was a it was a, quite an experience. Um, I didn't win any medals, but I finished. If I were as a 58-year-old to go back and do that same thing, there would be a whole different training rec- uh, regimen than when I was in my mid-30s. You know, just it's different. However. There are things we can still do. We just need to do them differently and smarter. And the key is, if you've got breath, if you've got a mind, you've got a purpose and meaning. Right. The, the other part of this that I, that I picked up and I, that I often talk about is curiosity. It sounds like there's an element of curiosity when you try different things. You have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, interesting you would use the word curiosity because when you've been around the block a number of times, you say, okay, I've, I've seen this before, right? And, and the tendency would be for us to become closed-minded because we've seen this before. But what if we've seen it before, but still hesitate and see and ask ourselves, is there anything I'm missing? I think that part of the fourth quarter needs to include what I call reverse mentoring. That means listen and learn from the younger. Seek input from people younger than you 
and allow mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. to listen to it and take it in because the thing is they may not have the experience, but they've got a perspective. And to hear a younger person's perspective as an older person with wisdom, you combine their perspective with your wisdom. I think what can happen is synergy, you know, where one plus one equals three. I think you can Mm -hmm. be, uh, this is, this is the great fallacy of ageism. You know, it's breaks my heart when organizations will find ways to let gray hairs be let go. Yep. They're they're Mm -hmm. shooting themselves in the foot. If you're an employer listening today and you're thinking, how do I bring out the best in my team? Well, first of all, don't let go of those who have the wisdom that the younger employees need to tap into. It doesn't mean they're all going to just, you know, go at the speed of an older person, quote unquote. But when you can combine youthful energy and ambition and innovation with seasoned experience and wisdom, I mean, you can put together a fantastic team and it means uh, honoring the perspective of both. So I think curiosity has got to be a part of life regardless of your age. Unfortunately, when we get older, you know, we have it when we're younger. I mean, I've got a four-year-old uh, grandchild, a one-year-old grandchild, and, a, and an eight-month grandchild. Um, the curiosity just drips from them. I mean, they're going from one okay. thing to the next right. to the next. And and somewhere along the line, we lose that curiosity. Uh, I think you need to just regain it. And one mm-hmm. of the ways you can do that is spend time with younger people. I mean, observe. If you've got grandchildren, you've got them in your own backyard. Watch them as they approach life. And then ask so Scott, yourself. Scott, we have, mm-hmm. a, we have a caller from Australia, Bob, okay. who has a question. So is it okay if we let him ask you the question? Absolutely. All right. Let's see. Good day. Bob, are you okay? The, yes. What's your question, yeah. Bob? Thanks for calling. Um, there's a bit of a time delay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I love what you're sharing. Um, and I just wanted to, who am I talking to? I, I can't see your names. Uh, this well, is this Scott. Is, that's Scott, Scott Kokenauer, and this is Dr. Mara. Okay, well, it's a pleasure to connect with you. The question I was going to ask, and I'm 71 now, and my life is absolutely awesome, and it, it really began in 1960. Uh, no, not it really began when I was 60. Um, but I'm just wondering, from what you were sharing, just prompted this um, approach, is have you ever heard of the SUE principle, S-U-E? Probably not, because it's something I coined about 15 years ago. And it just stands for all are sovereign, unique, and equal, and everything else flows from that. And I love what you shared about, for me, um, because we're all unique and equal, I believe that everybody holds a piece of the puzzle, and that by simply sharing stories, we help to heal each other. Mm-hmm. Now, and I love what you said about going back um, and I've gone even further back. I, I healed the wounds of my childhood in the 90s with the help of John Bradshaw. But I've come to realize that um, childhood, that innocence of childhood, that's what I'm trying to reclaim in my life. Because that was a period in my life when I was a magical being living in the moment instead of um, what I used to be, uh, living in headspace in the intellect. <laughs> mm-hmm. for, me, for me, I now live I now live in a feeling universe, no longer a thinking universe. For me, thinking is the weapon of mass distraction. Okay. <laughs> if you think mm-hmm. if, if you're thinking, how can you live in the moment, you know? But um and so quickly I will just because I could talk for hours on this. Um Okay. Uh, my 
um, in 2005 when I became a ship's captain and I took a boat out with people on board, bugger Bob, the buck stops with you. You're responsible for the lives of these people, even the vibe on the boat. But I took the ideology of being ship's captain and applied it to my whole life. So I am master and commander of this life that I do create and I take full responsibility for it. So as master and commander, I ask myself this question, what is my life purpose? So I set my life purpose to be to simply find my own truth. And how do I know what is my truth? Whatever resonates with my heart. So since mm-hmm. that time, I've questioned everything that I held as true and found it in the majority of cases to be lies. And then the second question I asked was, well, as a spiritual being enjoying a physical experience, how do I wish to experience this life? So I set my unconscious life intention, which is I am here to have a gentle, joyful, loving, healthy and abundant life. Now that I am here is my command to the universe, but also my address to the universe. And so now, since I put that conscious life intention in place, I'm just kicking back and letting the universe do all the hard work. That's wonderful, Bob. That's wonderful. I'll finish with this. Um, And now, I'm 71 now, and for the past good 10 years, since I set my mission, or found my mission, uh, my mission is I'm on a mission to eradicate suicide. Every 40 seconds, Mm -hmm. somebody dies because of depression, and they do not have to, Mm -hmm. and I'm living proof of that. So I found my mission, and I just feel so vibrant, so alive. I just want to live forever. That's fantastic. (laughs) Thank you so much for, I can hear the vibrancy in your voice, Bob. And thank you so much for calling in all the way from the other side of the earth. (laughs) We appreciate it. We're going to put you on hold here so so Scott can comment if he has anything, okay? And thank yeah, you thank again you so for, much. Yeah, thank, thank you for you your time and so your much. Attention. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye now. See, okay, see Scott, any thoughts? Yeah, see the purpose to eradicate suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt coming from an experience, you know, it wasn't just something he dreamed up. It was part of his story. And so what wakes him up, what gets him up in the morning is purpose. And that usually, when we are involved in our purpose, we wake and have a vibrant outlook. Now, that doesn't mean that this turns an introvert into an extrovert. We Vibrant living looks different for every person. But you can just hear that that sense of connection between his purpose and his life, mm-hmm. and uh, good for him. And that's that's exciting for a 58 year old listening to a 71 year old um, speak with such vibrance. That's encouraging. Yes, yes, and thank you to Bob for calling in from Australia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, and the other thing that he brought up was something that you were just talking about, which is his um, being childlike in terms of looking at the world, mm-hmm. pretty much. You know, being yeah, but, able to look at things in, a, in that childlike way rather than mm-hmm. overthinking. <laughs> right, right, right. It's so important to have a curious mindset because no matter how, what age we're at, we've got blind spots. And mm-hmm. uh, I would add, speaking of blind spots, I would add curiosity, add to curiosity, um, this idea of bringing a support network around you. Relationship. Relationships are huge because uh, someone once said, we're all in our own jars and we can't read the labels unless someone outside of us can help us read our label. And uh, it's, it, it's so refreshing to have someone be able to give us context in the, the details of our life. 
Because mm-hmm. no matter whether you're living your purpose and meaning or, or not, you're going, to, you're going to run into situations where you're struggling and you can't quite get the answers that you need. And it's those moments when a support network makes a huge difference because they can help you see from a broader context what's going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, objective eyes. So, so Scott, um, if people are interested in finding out more about you and your coaching practice and also your podcast um, mm-hmm. and your upcoming book, um, what are mm-hmm. the best ways that they can do that? They can go to servingstrong.com. And all pretty right. much it's everything the that same. they'll know is there. All right. Everything is in the same place. And what about if they're interested in working with you as a coach? Can they contact you through that website? They certainly can, or they could email me, coach at servingstrong.com. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for for coming on to the program. And uh, this is such a uh, exciting topic for me. So, <laughs> well, it, it's a, it was a joy to be on here, Mara, and and you're doing a great work. And uh, let's keep opening perspective, opening people's eyes. There's so much more life that sits waiting to be lived. Absolutely, I I agree. And I hope that you'll come back on the show sometime. Maybe when oh, your book comes out. It would be an honor. Okay, great. Just let me know. All right. All right. And you have a have a good evening. Stay cool. Okay, you too. All right. Thanks. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And we just have a few minutes left, and I keep um, promising to talk a bit about um, tips from the field um, in terms of caregiving for an elderly loved one who is in long-term care um, or even if they're home with you. Um, and how to do that and still live a passionate life. And part of the course of life as we move into later years, move into our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, um, we end up sometimes being the caregivers or, or the advocate for our loved ones who are more elderly. And... Um, I think it's really, really important that that as we get older and if we need care from other people, that we do have advocates to stand up for us if um, we're unable to do that for ourselves. It's really important having worked in long-term care facilities for many years. Um, I witnessed that with my clients, that those who had advocates, family advocates, got better care than those who did not. And so I would try to be the advocate for my clients if they didn't have a family member doing that for them. And I've had several guests on the program discussing this issue and some of the the gaps in long-term care and the ageism that still exists in um, health care in the United States anyway, and and European countries as well, Um, certainly in nursing homes. Nursing homes are really on an old-fashioned model, and um, there there is a lot of ageism in that model. And so in order to get the best care 
we really need to advocate for them. Um, I also see it now um, right in front of me vividly as I am the long-distance caregiver for my mom as I program who is 94 and lives in a nursing home in Connecticut while I'm here in Texas. Um, but I visit frequently and I'm on the phone frequently with the providers in her facility and I've started um, a Zoom family council. I discovered that there was a need for a family council at her facility, that I have worked in facilities that had a family council. I saw how powerful they were in advocating um, for residents because, um, you know, it's difficult as a family member to be the lone advocate for your loved one. And if, when you're working together and joining forces with other family members, um, with other the, of other residents in the facility, it's much more powerful. And so I started one. And um, we have about 18 members, and we've only had five meetings. So that's pretty good. Or we've only had four meetings. We're going into our fifth meeting this week. And it's been really um, powerful. We've already actually made some changes in the facility, and we have many more that we would like to make to help our loved ones. And I think this really fits with this topic of finding a need and filling it and and finding our purpose in doing that. Um, we don't always choose to be in this position, but uh, I will tell you the truth, it really is a blessing to be in the position of being able to um, be an advocate for our elderly loved one. It's, it's a blessing that they are still alive. I feel very lucky that my mom is 94 and she's very cognitively aware. Um, she lives in a nursing home because of needing help physically. And I feel very lucky. And so being um, able to help her is really has really become a passion for me. And using all of my experience, my story, as Scott spoke about, um, in having an education that was focused on geriatric care, having worked in nursing homes and long-term care communities for many years, for a couple of decades, um, I'm able to use that to help me in being an advocate for my mom. And while it's stressful, it's sometimes extremely stressful in dealing with the gaps that you run into in the nursing home and and walls that you run into. Um, it's also extremely rewarding when you see how you can make a difference in your loved one's life. And that um, is really powerful and has also led me to become more passionate about what I decided to study in school and what I decided to uh, specialize in as a geriatric psychologist. So it has reawakened this passion, and I'm at a point where I'd like to start helping other people. I do it right here on this platform. I, I'm lucky to have this platform where I can have guests that come on and speak about these issues and I can write about it, and I'm working on some ideas about how I can actually help family members um, in addition to the family council members um, to advocate for their family members. And I just want to leave this with um, something I came across today. I came across an excellent TED Talk by a geriatric specialist, Amy O'Rourke, and this TED Talk was about 11 years ago, but still very um, on point. And she made some really that are in alignment with some of the things that I've been stressing in my talks about advocating for our elderly loved ones. So one takeaway from her talk is that denial is a big part of the reason for some of the problems or many of the problems in the healthcare for our elders. 
and I've recently had guests on the show talking about the same issue. Um, people don't want to hear about your caring for your elderly loved one. They don't want to support you necessarily unless they're going through it. Um, if you work in the field, they don't want to hear about it. I I ran into that when I was working in nursing homes. I really couldn't talk about it to other friends. Um, or people don't want to even create better public policies or health policies around caring for the elderly because focusing on the elderly scares them. They don't want they we've had we live in a science that society where we want to brush aside older people. And I want to comment on that. Additionally, a lot of family members just drop their parents off at a community um, or health care, you know, long-term care facility, um, just allowing the facility to take care of their loved one and not taking an active role in the care in spite of the fact that even in the best places the system is broken and their parents won't get the best care if they're not actively advocating for them. And the reason isn't necessarily that they're bad um, adult children, but it's because it scares them to see their parents becoming more fragile and they don't want to face it. They want to deny it. But denial does not change the problem and it only causes more. Um, and I'm going to mention the three ground rules that she mentioned. Role reversal should never happen. Your parent is not your child. Don't boss your parents around. It's insulting. Um, absolutely. If you're responsible for your parents' care, there's better ways of communicating rather than being acting as though you are their parent. That just doesn't work. This is one that I really resonate with. Older people and hospitals don't always get along. Going into a hospital for an older adult is a major life decision. It might be necessary in an acute emergency situation, but don't minimize it. It's not just something that you go to have tests done. Um, you know, an elderly person in a hospital, there are many things that can go wrong. So I can get more into that next week. And having an elderly parent, I love this point that she made, having an elderly parent is a lifestyle change. If you're the one responsible, don't expect to just do this as one little extra thing and keep up your regular life because it takes a lot of time. But use it as an opportunity to slow down because elderly people move slowly and embrace it because it's a rare opportunity, and if you're in this position, then you are truly blessed. Don't miss the opportunity. So on that note, I'm, I'm going to leave it right there, and we'll continue with some other tips next week, and I'll let you know what's coming up next week. Um, next week, Certified Holistic Health Coach Marcella Castellanos will be back. She's joining us from Puerto Vallarta to discuss how healing energy can help us get unstuck. And I mean, energy healing, sorry, I switched those words around, how energy healing can get us unstuck so we can move forward with a renewed sense of freedom. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this show, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com, and also... You can hear this program in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years or listen on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, your golden years. This program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by amightygoodtime.com. Thank you to my guest, Scott Kokenauer. Thank you so much, and thank you to our caller from Australia, Bob. And thank you, Art. Thank you all for listening, and have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe.
Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any information on this program. 